Memorial Weekend. There we are. The unofficial start of summer, right? Fishing is open. Cabin season. The time to be outside. I was outside for a lot of time yesterday. Felt good. Oh, it was good. I was out at the race. Then I uh, came home, and during the afternoon, I couldn't go inside. Carrie was out working on some stuff, and I just... I sat outside just because I was outside. It feels good to be outside. But, uh, you know, outside season has started and we're all still here. It's the appliance sales, isn't it? Yeah. That's why you're still in town. That's why, you, that's why you're here instead of outside, right? Well, it's been a while since I've been up here speaking in this capacity, which is a good thing. But uh, for you who have not experienced me, which it doesn't seem like a whole lot, uh, my mind does terrible things. <laughs> and, and, and as I'm preparing, I just put it all on paper. So here it comes. Uh, it hops from one thought to another, another. Mostly they're unrelated to anything of importance. Uh, for example, the appliance ad. Prices slashed on every appliance. Then you see the small uh, small print down there. Go ahead and hit the button, Heather. Um, says some exclusions apply. <laughs> so is it every or, or is it not? Anyway, stuff like that uh, just makes me laugh and my filter doesn't always work. Just ask my wife. So... I'm going to do my best here, I promise, okay? All right. Also, expect to get out early this morning. No need to watch the clock. So you've got that going for you, right? Which is nice. And it's okay. Pastor Kieran knows, so it's going to be all right. Let's buckle up and get going, okay? Because we want to get outside. Uh, I already prayed. I was going to pray here, but Lord, help me. Lord, help these people. Turn with me to Luke, if you, uh, if you choose to do so, I would appreciate it, because I don't have every scripture up on the PowerPoint this morning. I've got some excerpts, but I don't have everything. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. We'll start in verse 16. It says, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet... He sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. All sorts of stuff going on in this story. Uh, but we're going to concern ourselves with the servant today. 
And this is my plan, is to be an uplifting, hopeful message this morning. Uh, full of encouragement, all in the context of this servant here in Luke, okay? Why the servant? Because that's us, right? We're the ones that are here in church, listening to our master, doing what he asks, doing what we're supposed to. You know, every one of us is different, but we're all that servant, right? John preached last week about how we've all got different gifts and talents. And as a congregation, several years back, we spent a whole year talking about the call, right? Uh, what we do, and uh, everywhere we go, everyone we meet, everything we do, we're doing to him. In here, in this family, we have accountants, carpenters, engineers, decorators, teachers, machinists, all sorts of different occupations, hobbies, interests. We've got a bona fide rock nerd in our congregation. And he raises his hand. Yes, I am. Be proud, buddy. Be proud. We're all in different circles, and we all have influence on all sorts of different people. And that's how it's supposed to work. Do whatever you do, whether it's rock nerds or, you know, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, right? Who's been to Pizza Ranch? A couple of people. One just opened here uh, across from the high school in Oak Park Heights. Commercial time. Youth group is having a fundraiser. It's going to be there in a couple of weeks. Uh, info is in your bulletin, a little, little insert, so you can take it and you can give it to friends. There's more on the information table if you want to invite a bunch of people to go with you. That would be a magnificent thing because uh, Pizza Ranch is giving the mission team 10% of whatever they sell that evening. It's a heck of a deal. Uh, why? Why would they do that? If you've been there, did you notice the poster just inside the door? Right in as you go in on the right. It's about three feet tall. It's right at eye level, right here. And that's what it says. I know personally people that won't go in there because of that. Yeah, oh well, exactly. That's right. Uh, but that's getting out there, isn't it? That's saying what you're about and, and doing it. There's, and there's different businesses that do that, and I'm just picking out that one because it was a good commercial for the youth group. Uh, but, uh, you know, praise God for business owners that, uh, that they go out there, right? Amen. Amen. Uh, don't forget there are extra flyers on the information table if you want to uh, take some, invite some people to go to dinner. And if you order Pizza Ranch script this morning at the bookstore, that's another 8% rebate on top of the 10%. So your dinner, 18% of it could go towards the mission trip just by getting some pizza that night. Just saying, okay? End of commercial, all right? But they're making pizza for the glory of God. Man, praise God. Say that again, right? That's your God pizza. I, uh, I, I had a book loaned to me by a friend. The, the title of the book is God Owns My Business. Has anybody heard of that? I had never heard of it. Uh, this guy, Stanley Tam, 
grew his company from just him driving around the countryside doing everybody himself to a multi-million dollar annual volume and he legally set it up so that a Christian foundation owns and gets 51% of his business. Here's what he says. He says, My theory is that God has given each of us a brain and expects us to use it. But though I believe in application of good principles in business, I place far more confidence in the conviction that I have a call from God. And I'm convinced that his purpose for me is in the business world. He says, my business is my pulpit. This guy figured out that God had a plan and he was willing to follow it. He was willing to obey what he knew God wanted him to do. That's all any of us are supposed to do, right? Regardless if we're, if we're a big-time businessman or just a guy that sits at a desk somewhere, that would be me. Uh, we're out in this world to be a light. We're supposed to be a beacon for those who are lost in the dark so that they can find their way, right? But we've got to get out there to do it. <laughs> Tell me... Help me out here. Tell me about when Jesus was in the temple or the synagogue. Name some times recorded that we know about in the Bible when Jesus was in church. Go ahead. When he was a boy and they'd come back from the trip to Jerusalem. Yep. 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 Uh huh. When he when he stayed behind when he was about twelve or so. Anyone? Anyone? Anything else? Yeah, well, originally, he was there at the very beginning when Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared, right? Right way at the beginning, he was in church. Uh, yeah, when he stayed, when he busted the place up, exactly. He, he did that one time. At least one time. There's scholars have some, uh, some differing opinions, but uh, Kelly, what? Yep, mm-hmm, yep. There, there are a few instances of uh, when he was reading scriptures about himself uh, or whatever. But what happened usually when he was in, the, in church? They'd run him out, right? They'd try to kill him. You know, the usual stuff when, that happens when you get up to speak at church. <laughs> but outside the church, that's where most of the stuff happened, right? First miracle was at a wedding reception. Uh, he talked to Nicodemus, who was somebody from the church that came out to talk to him away from the church, right? The woman at the well, the guy at the pool, uh, you know, that couldn't get in that, uh, that got healed. Uh, lepers, Jairus' daughter, the centurion's servant, walking on water, loaves and fish. Can you name some more other stuff that happened outside of the day of Pentecost? That was outside of church, right? They actually started meeting inside, and they all spilled outside because so much was going on. You know, and then he did stuff like dinner with tax collectors. <sighs> exactly. None of us would do that, would we? Uh, hanging out downtown, and they bring him the woman caught in adultery, right? On and on and on. All this stuff done outside the walls of a church. Why did everybody come to Jesus outside of church? How did everybody know about him to come to him? Was it the way he preached in the synagogue or served in the temple on Saturday? He made a really nice bulletin every week with no time or date errors or mistakes. 
impeccable spelling, right? His bulletin never had a spelling error. No, uh, I know. They saw his stories on Insta Face Chat, right? <laughs> they saw his memes and sayings that was pasted over nature backgrounds, and that brought them to him. <laughs> okay. Don't think that I'm minimizing anything that goes on inside a church, okay? Don't think I'm minimizing uh, any of this, because being involved and active inside a congregation is vital. I think it's, you know, you can't do it without it. Uh, But I'm pretty sure it was more how he lived unashamed and uncompromising in every single interaction, every single day out there in the real world. And people saw that, and that's why they came to him. That's, that's what I'm seeing when I, when I look at that, right? I just saw somewhere recently that gospel stories aren't only found in the Bible. They're found in the lives of everyday believers, people like you and me. I thought, man, that's good. That's true. You want some examples? I can give you some examples. Uh, here's just a few from the past several weeks uh, that I've either come across while I've been in here and hear about them or, you know, in a, interactions with others. But uh, remember when Peter's dad was here? That was fantastic. I, I knew a little bit of the story, but uh, I got much more from listening to him tell it again. Peter's dad wasn't a pastor. He was a veterinarian, Right? But he was a vet that believed God enough to do what he was telling him to do. In the process, he used what he had, where he had it, to advance the kingdom. He actually started outside a church, ended up forming a church, bringing people into a building, his old vet office, right? And growing in numbers so that they had to move outside, and now they're moving into a freaking castle. (laughs) I mean, literally... Outside church walls, right? Outside, inside, spilling outside to get more people inside to go back outside, right? That's the way it's supposed to work. That, that just was a huge testimony. When I heard it, I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Here's another one. I was talking with a friend recently who was praying for someone. And in the process... God told them to go get a certain person and go with them to pray for the person. Stay with me here. We're only dealing with three people. We'll we'll figure it out, okay? But this person went with my friend to pray for the other person. And when they did, the invited person was impacted. There was a change in their life because they were invited and they went and did that. Others that that person interacted with noticed something different, and they were impacted. And the reaction went on and on and on and on, right? From that one person being obedient, trusting that they knew what God wanted them to do, and then doing it. How many steps was the kingdom advanced by that one person's obedience? I'd have to guess several. And here's something that won't surprise you. That person continues to do what God wants them to do, outside and inside, but out there, right? In the world, the world. A friend of mine from college uh, is in radio. We, uh, We went to school together, and great gal. 
But uh, she shared this recently. I, I follow her and kind of interact with her online some. But uh, she said, My friend's dad was heading into surgery, but before he was wheeled away, they prayed over him one more time. And at that moment, the lights flickered off, and then they came back on. After running one more EKG before surgery, his heart was completely normal, and he was released to go home. <laughs> Praying in a hospital for crying out loud. One of the many different varied positions that I've held in my life was working at a hospital. Uh, I was, uh, when I was going to college, I worked in surgery for two summers, working as an orderly, you know, wheeling people in and out, uh, cleaning the rooms to get them ready for the next operation, whatever, whatever they needed to have done, I was there. One afternoon, I was, I was wheeling a little old lady into surgery, and she was just crying her eyes out, just bawling. She was terrified. You could tell. And I just, I felt so bad for her. I'm like, oh my gosh. She was just distraught. I mean, it was that bad. She was just terrified. And I remember how badly I wanted to pray for her that day. But I didn't. I was scared, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I was a young kid, college age. No excuse. But I didn't know if there was some kind of policy. I didn't know if I could do that or not, you know. Uh, that's one regret that I have, especially for my time there. I, who knows what might have happened, you know. But she might have been comforted. And that, that lady, still, you know, I still think about her. I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay. She made it out. It was all right. But, you know, just... Something that, you know, you think about missed opportunities, right? Remember Tom Heitman's testimony a few weeks back? God told him to pray for the recycling guy. Remember that? And he's not, and he's not here to help me. But the uh, short version was, uh, is that he was obedient and did what God wanted him to do. That was all the little details that I got of the story, okay? But he, uh, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure especially knowing Tom, that there were no bright lights or dim lights or whatever kind of lighting that you imagine there being when God is moving when he went to pray for the recycling guy. <laughs> there weren't any angels singing that he mentioned. Uh, no Jamie softly strumming her guitar, you know, <laughs> plucking away as, as he was talking. You were there. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Uh, no keyboard playing just as I am, right? I doubt that Tom was even carrying his Bible to the recycling center. He did have the word in his heart. But no, he didn't even have on a white suit with his hair back. Of course not. It was a Saturday morning, right? He was... <laughs> Stop, Jeremy. He, he was working around the house. He was hauling recycling. I'll bet he didn't even have on his good church jeans, right? The ones with no rips, no stains, they're not faded. You know, the church, you've got them, don't you? Huh? I do, see? Christianity isn't always clean. Uh, following and obedience can be dirty, and we can and will get messy. Dirty faith with micro. 
I was uh, talking with my daughter recently in the garage a while back. Uh, we were discussing some stuff that she had been dealing with, and we were working on some bicycles, trying to get uh, tires aired up and everything tightened up. And, you know, my hands were filthy. And I was in my dirty jeans, the ripped garage jeans. They're not exactly like these jeans, but I understand that that type of thing is, is actually stylish now, if I understand correctly, right? <laughs> Can you believe that? That was real. You saw that, right? That was real right there. $425 for fake dirt on jeans. I offered a pair of mine on, uh, on Facebook for 350 and nobody took me up on it. I thought it was a bargain. But uh, I'm out in the garage with my daughter. We weren't in a sanctuary, although I did have music playing. You know, that was one of the things we laughed about afterwards, that uh, we were talking about emotional stuff. And there was emotional music playing in the background. It was, you know, it was her playlist, though. It was just weird. Just, I meant to do that, right? I, uh, you know, had that music set up just to make sure that the, uh, the moment went right like it was supposed to. Real isn't often pretty. Real obedience can be out there. It's not even always scheduled. And it rarely works well, you know, with what we've got planned. You could just be minding your own business when God tells you to go do something. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come down to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. He went down to the crossroads, fell down on his knees. George picked it up right away. No rock and roll fans, no blues. Ask the Lord above for mercy. Save me if you please, right? Uh, Philip was obedient. He went down to the road, and the kingdom was advanced. The uh, story... That's, uh, that's described there. The Ethiopian got baptized and Phil disappeared, literally. If you keep reading down further, uh, you know, it says, uh, and he disappeared from the Ethiopian site. He was gone. And the Ethiopian went home, and Philip popped up in a different town and never missed a beat. It says, uh, as he passed through, he preached the gospel all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I looked it up using the super-secret pastoral resources that only clergy have access to. <laughs> and Jerusalem to Ashdod is about 70 kilometers or 40 miles. Philip got transported. And then from there up to Caesarea is another 100 kilometers or about 60 miles he walked, telling everybody about Jesus all up and down the coast there. 
That'll mess with your schedule for the day, won't it? Somebody transport you 40 miles away and you walk another 60? I think it might have taken him longer a day to get from one to the other. But anyway, sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, I lament to my wife some days and complain to her that I don't get anything done when I'm at work. But then she reminds me that it's not always the case. I just didn't get what I had planned done that day. Uh, a funny thing is that when I have days like that, I usually get everything I thought I needed to get done, done eventually anyway, despite, you know, everything else that happens. So, once again, she's usually right. <laughs> but it's the willingness to be obedient with these little things that God can use to really get stuff done, isn't it? Sometimes they're not even that little, even though they seem so at the time. My son and I are sports fans. Nobody here knew that, did you? But uh, we've been watching some of the NBA playoffs leading up uh, to the championship starting this week. I was pointing out to him earlier in one of the series the difference between a team playing together and a group of guys playing on the same team. But it's clear that there are a couple of stars and then the rest of the guys, right? Sure, individuals always have to step up and do the amazing things they can. In the NBA especially, they're just phenomenal athletes, but it can still be a team effort. And the willingness of some teams and some players on those teams to do the dirty stuff, the little stuff, the hard stuff that isn't flashy, that doesn't show up in the stat columns, uh, that makes the difference between advancing or going home sometimes. Most players in the NBA are exceptional. They're phenomenal. But only a few of them really play defense. Am I right? Most of the time, it's, why bother? You know, we'll, we'll just keep scoring, right? But the ones that do play defense make a huge difference. Difference makers for their team. Working hard at the little things brings unity, brings people together. Doc Rivers famous coach says defense brings teams together offense makes teams feel good but the defense is what brings them together I stumbled across this this week too and being a sports fan you think about that there's some truth in there isn't it you think little things don't matter think of the last game you lost by one point how many you know one little thing could have changed it right we need to strive to do those little things to pray for that little old lady who's scared and alone, right? There was uh, another time I blew it. Just, bleh, here we go. I was, and this was, as an adult, I'm, uh, I'm grabbing some groceries with my mom. Just picking up a few things when, uh, you know, we're going somewhere. And as we're checking out, God told me, tip the checkout girl five bucks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I had five bucks in my pocket. I could spare it, right? I mean, for Pete's sake, nobody tips the checkout girl, do they? Do you guys leave a tip for the person that checks you out? What should I do? It's, uh, that's awkward and weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'm used to being awkward and weird, but this was different, you know. 
I felt stupid and I didn't do it. Regret number two brought up in this sermon. And you thought I was perfect, didn't you? I've got plenty more. But I'm not going to run down the list this morning. It would take too long. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I really don't dwell on them. You know, you repent. You learn from them. You move on. I try to be coachable. That's a good thing. But it's the little things. So this morning, let's huddle up as a team. Right now, let's get ready to get back in the game, which is actually out there, right? We're, right now, we're on the bench. It's time out. That's what I'm doing here this morning. You know, we, you've, we've all been trained. We've all been coached. You guys know everything that I've been saying this morning, right? I'm just trying to remind you of what we're doing here. During this time out, and then we're all back on the floor at the buzzer, right? Stay hydrated, get out there, work hard, do the little things. If you think you're on the bench, you're not. Nobody's on the bench. We're all playing. We're all in the game. And here's the thing. As, as a church, we try to make things easy for you. Because we know it's not easy. But we try to help, help get you into you know, practice. We run drills. So that, so that why do we do the day out things? Right? To help you practice. In a group, and, and it helps, you know, we're getting out there and doing little things that have an impact on the community. Race marshalling this weekend was a blast. I had three or four runners running by thanking me and thinking that the, the, a church doing this was amazing. And, think, and it always happens. Always happens whenever I do that. But, but the same thing. We do that to make it easy for you to get out, to get out of the room, out of here and out there into where we live. Why do we do a softball team? Part of it is that same reason, to get out there, right? Summer Tuesdays, we've helped out down there. Same thing, get in our community, get out there, do something. That's one of the reasons I work at a coffee shop. That's one of the reasons that I announce for stuff at my kid's school. That's one of the reasons why I get involved in lumberjack days. There are other reasons. But that's one of the reasons that I do some of those things. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be out there. And if I can go out and look like an idiot and act like a fool, you know you do what you're good at, right? <laughs> I'm working on this year's car, by the way. It's not going to look anything like that one. Uh, and, and here's the thing. When I'm out there, I'm not out there preaching like Vern. Did you guys see the video the other day on our Facebook page of Vern preaching? If you haven't seen it, look for it. You don't even have to be on Facebook to find it. Go to our website, and, and you can get to our page from there. But he's in the Roclaw City Center on the main stage. They're having a unity festival there. And, uh, and he's up there. He's preaching Jesus in that soft, non-confrontational... <laughs> almost apologetic way that he has, right? <laughs> no, 
Vern is out there telling it like it is, saying, you need Jesus. He did this. You owe him everything. Vern Norton is a rock star. But you know who he is? He's the Kawhi Leonard of RVCC. Because he is amazing. But he does all that little stuff, too. And he's always working, trying hard, including, you know, going hard on defense or whatever. Every single possession, Vern is out there. <laughs> right? Praise God for Vern. It's, uh, you know, what, what did Paul say? Imitate me like I uh, try to imitate Christ, right? Let's keep looking at Vern and, and praying for Vern because he's out there. And that's a good thing. I mean that. I mean that in the utmost respect. I love that man. As 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 scary as he is, there is not a heart that has more love in it in the world. I guarantee you. Crazy, but that's that's what we need to do. Let's all get out there, right? Let our lights shine, so that others can be drawn to him, not to us. To him. <sighs> Told you we'd get out early, but we're not leaving yet. Let's let's all sing it with me, and then we're going to be dismissed, okay? Yeah? <laughs> Carrie doesn't want me to sing, so Jen, will you start it out, please? Yeah. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't well <laughs> this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Right? Hide it under a bushel? No. No. What are we going to do? That's right. So here's the thing. I had an iPod. I wish I got to find one for my phone. I had the lighter app that you could flip open and flip close. That was the coolest thing ever. Karen's uh, expecting us to be done early. I don't know if she's expecting this to be done this early, but... That's all I got to say. Get out. But, but take the kingdom with you, right? Father, thank you. I hope this has been an encouragement, Lord. Help us to get out. And whatever it is you want us to do, to do it. And do it to your glory, Lord. Because it's your kingdom, the bottom line, the only thing that's going to matter at the end. We love you, Lord. Keep talking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Get out.